Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome. To the Doc G Show, I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Fernicus, Charette. Say what? D-O-C to the G. What is up, sir? How's everything going? Woo! I like it. Yeah. Made me feel like I was part of NWA right there. Yeah. What? I mean, that's what the, I was kind of going for. The D-O-C. Yeah. yeah. The D-O-C. Mm. I mean, I'd like to be one of the better members. No offense to the D-O-C. I'd like to be Dr. Dre or Ice Cube, but, you know, mm. whatever. I'll take the doc. Girl, come on. Since it is my nickname. <laughs> I'll take that. That's fine. D-O-C. It's good. There you go. Mike. Mike. Huh? I know we're not a sports show, but my goodness. The NBA, the NBA playoffs. The Lakers swept. That's a fact. Swept, Mike. Yeah, they were swept. They were swept by the Nugs. By, by by my favorite non-looking athletic man that is actually surprisingly athletic. Mm-hmm. The Joker. Joker, yeah. right? My goodness, that guy. I've never seen somebody who presents as looking so average. No offense <laughs> yeah. to him. Just he does so look very average. Average and yet so phenomenal, Mike. Yeah. So phenomenal. It's like if I just showed up to a like a boxing match and just beat the living mm. of somebody, and everybody's like, "How did that guy what? really?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm awesome." What can you say? That's yeah. sort of like, I mean, granted, he's seven feet tall. That does give you an there indication is, yeah, that he's going to be good. But yeah. still, like, it's just crazy, Mike. Hats off to <clears> the Denver <throat> Nuggets, and then the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Just oh my god, Jimmy Butler. I love that dude. Yeah. I love Jay Buckets. I now. loved the little uh, confrontation that he had, and then they spun it around. Like, what was it? Like a 24 and 9 run or something insane? And, and You don't no, poke great. the bear, man. You don't poke great. the bear. I literally, listeners, you know Claude Lathan well. We've had Claude on the show so many times. Oh, yeah. As soon as that happened, Mike, I can go back. I can actually send you a screenshot of the text. <laughs> I sent him a text as soon as that happened and said, He's barking at the wrong dog. Grant Williams is barking at the wrong dog. That's a fact. And, uh, yeah, I was right. He should not (laughs) have done that. He should not have done that at all. Like, come on, Grant Williams. That is just, you, you do not have the firepower to back that up, my friend. Nope. But, Mike, we have got important topics to discuss for the show. We do. We do. We have an important segment to carry on for the show. Mm-hmm. Yes. The movie review. For the review. last two weeks. <laughs> no, no, no. You are Jump correct, Mike. It is the movie review that we Getting have excited. to review. For the last two weeks, we have done something that we have heard no feedback from. Nobody, mm. no listener has contacted us and been like, my God, that movie review was amazing. But you know mm-hmm. what? It doesn't matter. We're going to still keep doing it. We are. We're going to keep it on. Uh, well, you know what? Actually, we have heard a review, Mike, about the movie reviews. Because oh, okay. Matt from Matt from uh, Perpetual Groove said he loved when I did the uh, movie reviews the last time we had Perpetual Groove on. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take that as people like okay. our uh, movie reviews. So there you go. There we go. So take that, listeners. If you don't like us doing movie reviews, complain to Perpetual Groove. Complain to them. <laughs> they made it. They made it fun. They they <laughs> made they made us do that. Regardless, Mike. Last week you were like, "Hey, I was on Amazon Prime and I saw that they were streaming Air." Mm-hmm. So true. The movie about Michael Jordan signing a deal with Nike, made by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And I was like, we should review that. And you were like, yes. Now, Mike, I hear that you had some trouble getting through this movie all in one sitting. Yeah, it took me three tries. Hmm. Yeah. What was the Great long movie? What was the longest stint you had watching? What was the longest amount? Hmm. I think the last half. Okay. Yeah. You got like, like the, the last, last half in one. Half the movie, I was like, whoa, this is. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was then it school. got rolling. Yeah, you were you were yeah, there yeah. afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, uh, but mm-hmm. you're still gonna say it's a good. It was a good movie overall, right? Oh yeah, it was fantastic. Okay, yeah, it wasn't. It had nothing to do with the uh, story production or anything like that. It's just you know, I, I eat snacks and I fall asleep. Now, just get that. Get that itis. I understand. <laughs> exactly. I understand. Now, Mike, before we ruin the movie for anybody else, anybody that has not watched the movie that wants to watch Air, put us on mute for the next ten minutes. Okay, don't turn us off. Put us on no. mute. We want to keep mute. the streams going. Yeah. In fact, if you want to, you know what? You can actually give us some extra points. Go to a, an old show, put that on, put that on mute, and then come back to this show. I don't know mm-hmm. why you'd put the yeah. old show on mute, but just do it. That'll give us more streams yeah. if you do that, so we'd appreciate mm-hmm. that. Regardless, I'm going to give you the opportunity. Here we go. I'm going to count down to three, and then we're going to start talking uh, the movie. <laughs> One, two, three. Three. Here we go. Uh, Mike, this movie was about, uh, like I said, Michael Jordan coming to Nike. Uh, It uh, all revolves around Sonny Vaccaro. Uh, Sonny Vaccaro in real life looks nothing like Matt Damon, who plays him in this movie. Matt Damon, uh, dare I say, is a dime piece. Sonny Vaccaro would be lucky to be a nickel. That's what I would say between those two. Um, 100%. so I, I don't know about Sonny, but if I was Sonny watching this, I'd be like, Hey, all right. Nice. <laughs> Is that what people see of me? That's pretty sweet. Awesome. But what Sonny Vaccaro is doing is he's trying to recruit Michael Jordan because he realizes Michael Jordan is the key to Nike succeeding in the basketball world. That's a fact. Right. Nike brought Sonny in to find the the endorsers that will make Nike a a global brand. And Sonny says, this guy, Michael Jordan, that's the guy, right? Word. So that's what the whole movie is based off of. And I got to say, from the get-go, Mike, this movie had the jams. Yeah, it did. This movie had the jams. Now, I am much more of a 70s guy, much more of a 90s guy than I am an 80s guy. But mm-hmm. with the jams on this this uh, this movie, I can't deny it. It doesn't matter what decade they're coming from. They were they were hot. They were, they were hot. hot. They were great. That was a great soundtrack. Dire Straits, Money for Nothing. That mm-hmm. was on there. That was the lead up, Mike. Then we had ZZ Top, Legs. That was on there. 
We had All I Need is a Miracle, Mike and the Mechanics. Hmm. You could be in that. You you could be in that uh, band, Mike. Yeah, minus the mechanics part. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you could find some mechanics. You should do that. Okay. You should oh, do well, yeah, so it'd be Mike and some mechanics. Yeah, you should do that yeah. for Halloween next year. Just get three okay. guys to dress up as mechanics, and people be like, what? <laughs> your, 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 your outfit is from a 40-year-old band that had one good song, and you're like, it. Yeah. All right? Think, get this Butterfinger. Think deep. <laughs> Anyways, there were some awesome jams in the movie, Mike. 80s jams, and I was here for it. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. I got jam. I got psyched every single time one of those came up, especially at the end when they when they pumped the Bruce Springsteen at the end, "Born in the USA" for like all the yeah. credit rolling. That was dope. And that the was montage, the Jordan montage, so that, sick. That was that was a good Jordan montage. Did it make you want to watch the Last Dance? Oh yes, it did. Oh man, it definitely did. Uh, if I were to rate all the actual, Mike, do you want? Hmm. Do you, do you want to do a review of the last dance? Jeez. Do you want to give me a few weeks? That's a, that's a lot. That's a that's a long-term project. We'll think about yeah. it. We'll think about the last dance. That's a long-term project. I I we do it go. episode by episode. I was about to say I could do days on that one anyways. Anyways, Mike, yeah. back to air. We are getting <laughs> sidetracked all over the place. So, the overall uh idea is he needs to get Michael Jordan to Nike and he does this through his parents. The idea of going through his parents is from Chris Tucker's character, Howard White. That's a fact. And I will say, Howard White, best played character in the whole movie, Mike. Yes! Chris Tucker did a fantastic job on Howard White. Very good job. Very good job. Uh, and you can see Howard White in The Last Dance. So you can get, mm -hmm. a, get an idea of what he's really like in there. And you go, you know what? Tucker nailed it. He nailed yeah. it. Yeah, and I don't. I don't want to be mean to Tucker, but uh, Chris Tucker looks like he's he's aged a little. Girl, bit. come on. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a puffy that's, face. That's what time will do to anybody. I know I've aged yeah. a little bit, but I'm just saying. You know, he's not. It's not rush. It's not rush hour anymore. He doesn't. No, look it's not. Like, he doesn't look like that youthful Michael Jackson dancing character anymore. Just you know. Doc G, you're a you're a guy. You're a man of science and, and health and exercise. How do we keep it? What do we do? What, can't. How do we keep our face? You can't. can't. Okay. That's that's the down. That, that's the short answer right there, Mike. You, you can't. can you can spend millions and millions of dollars on it, and then you'll just end up your face. And I'm not gonna be mm. mean. I'm not gonna point out <laughs> a movie stars that have done this. You know the ones I'm talking about. There are plenty oh, yeah. of ones that you're just like, oh, what did you do? That did not work. We also work. don't know some of the ones that have done yeah, this. Yeah, that's know, true. We work. like to think that. We like to think that, <laughs> you know? know. <laughs> but they, they, we, yeah, we know. But the, you know what? There are some, though, that then can just age that it's just great genetics, man. And you're like, oh, man, yeah. I wish I had those genes. Like, for instance, George Clooney, that guy with his amazing oh, genes, yeah. you know? Harrison like, Ford too. Yeah, Harrison he's, Ford. He's like eighty, and he just got yeah. he's got amazing f fate. We've got so sidetracked from air. So true. Regardless, Sorry. Mike, <laughs> the, yeah. the side point we got off on air was Chris Tucker did an amazing job. He's gotten a little older. Everybody gets a little older. Anywho, they have <laughs> to go through 
his parents, right? And mm-hmm. when he goes through his parents, he makes a connection. Sonny Vaccaro, Matt Damon's character, makes a connection with his mom. And that's the main thing that makes the movie. The mom is played by Viola Davis. That was a demand from Michael Jordan that Viola Davis play his mom. Word. Mike. That was like one of the only things he asked for in this movie. I thought it was a great pick. I oh, mean, it, I was convinced. It was a fantastic pick, but I got to be honest. Yeah. If you ask me right now who to choose for my younger mom, I don't know who I'd choose. Nope. You know? Now, if you told me who to choose for my mom now, I could tell you. That would be Sally Fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, see, like, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that, by the way. I can. Oh. Thank you from me and my mom. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah. We appreciate that. Now, I mean, now, it, like, if I could go back into, like, 1990 for a biopic pick about me, I would still choose the uh, 1990s version of Sally Fields. But, like, yeah. now, as asking good. me, I don't know who I would choose for my mom. Do you have Pamela any idea? Anderson. <laughs> Pamela Anderson. Yeah, that would be my mom. Pam I, Anderson. I can see it. You got the same hot, hot bod. You yeah. and her hot yes. bod. Nailed yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Um, well, I got sidetracked again. Um, <laughs> so he goes through his mom. Now, I will say, Mike, uh, the interactions between his mom and Sonny Vaccaro largely made up for the film. Most of those, mm. that was not true interaction. That dialogue never happened. In fact, Viola Davis made up a lot of that dialogue. Mm. She made up the line where she said, a shoe is just a shoe until my son steps in it. Say what? Great line. Yeah, it's a good line. It's not Amazing bad. Line. But she didn't actually come, she didn't say that line in, in real life. I wonder if Dolores Jordan was watching it. She was like, man, that's slick. I should have said something like that. It's <laughs> a good line. That would have been nice. Like if I mean I don't know. I wonder. I really. Do, I wonder if Dolores watched it because that's got to be weird. Anybody in that film watching it, that's got to be odd, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like like if you're if you're Phil Knight and you're watching that and you're like, man, Matt Damon made me look like a, <laughs> or not ben, Matt Ben Affleck yeah. made me look like a, like you know like. Just or like uh, David Falk, his his agent. I'd be mad if I was David Falk. I'd be like, I'm not that big of a turd. Why are you making me seem like such a giant turd? Like that guy was c- awesome. I love that guy's character. I got to be honest. Like <laughs> I've never seen him be that snappy in anything. Like is yeah. like you know is just off the wall yeah. as he was. Like that just doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem right at all for him, uh, but like I mean, you know, if I'm if I'm Jordan's mom and I'm watching this movie, I come out and be like, man, everybody gets, is gonna think I rule. So true. I am dope in this movie. Like I mean, she she makes him she makes him come up with the deal of the percentage of the shoes, which she didn't do in real life, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would feel guilty if I was Dolores Jordan watching that. I'd be like, I need to tell people I didn't come up with that because that seems like. I'm an awesome <laughs> business lady when I didn't actually do that, you know? Like, it's just crazy. But regardless, Mike, I did really like the movie. Did you really enjoy the movie? I did, Doc G. I thought it was a great movie. You know, I feel like it could have used some more passionate kissing myself. But, uh, hey, outside of that, 10 out of, I would Listener, say 9 out of 10. Listeners, if you're confused, we had passionate kissing in The Lifeguard. 
Oh yeah, there lots was of lots of passion and kissing. You missed out on it if you haven't. If you haven't watched The Lifeguard, we both recommend it. Highly recommend it. Disregard the Rotten Tomato ranking on it. That's <laughs> the real ranking is an eighty-eight out of a hundred. It's amazing, yeah. and there is lots of '70s soft rock and passionate kissing and <laughs> montages of thinking about life when life gets tough. Yeah. All right, amazing <laughs> yeah. stuff. Now. Mike gives uh, Air a 90. I'm close. I don't know if I give it a full 90. I think I give it meh, an 87, I want to say. Mm. 87, 88. It's right there. 87, 88. It's not too far off of Lifeguard. The reason that I knock it down some points is I honestly wish they would have just put a little bit more into making it look like the real characters. Mm. That's it. That's it. Because when I go look at these people in real life, I'm like, they don't look anything like them. <laughs> completely different people. Like, it ruins the whole idea, man. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. the only thing. Now, Mike, I think they do need to come out with a sequel, and they need to come out with a sequel of this movie focused on Tinker Hatfield. Yes, they do. Me and you have talked about Tinker. He is the architect of some of Nike's best shoes. The mm -hmm. Air Max was his yep. shoe. Uh, the 3 through 13 Air Jordans, all the good ones that people think of, yep. the 4s, the 5s, the 6s. <clears throat> all as Tinker. Have you, you have said before, the Marty McFlys. Yeah, Back up, to the Futures. Yep. The self-lacers, the self he came ah, up with those. Crazy. Beautiful. Regardless, yeah. Mike, even if they don't come out with a second uh, Air, they will come out with a documentary titled Air Gordon. Word. Which mm. will document... The Doc G Show. Yes. Why it's called Air Gordon, I don't know. I guess they're just lazy. <laughs> and they're like, well, it rhymes with Air Jordan. That He's works. on the air. Yeah. Hey, there, there you go. go. I was too stupid to think of that, Mike. Good job. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. While we're waiting for them to recruit Leonardo DiCaprio to play uh, you, I'll give you Leo. Mm -hmm. Do you want Leo? Okay. I'll take Leo. I'll give yeah. you the choice. Leo or Chris Hemsworth. Who do you want to be? Mm. Uh, I'll take, uh, you know what? I'll take Leo. Leo's, uh, I feel like, yeah, we got the okay. same. I sort of want Leo, but damn it, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> I, while we're waiting on them to pick uh, Leo as your character in the uh, Air Gordon documentary, and the, we're waiting on them to pick Chris Hemsworth, obviously, me and him look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Do you want to fire this show up? Let's fire up the show, Doc G. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Mm -mm -mm. Great show. Great show, Mike. We have the fantastic Mike Rubin, lead singer, returning. <coughs> what? I got choked up. The limonada choked me up, Mike. <laughs> uh, we have returning. It's too much. It's too much. We have returning guest Mike Rubin, lead singer of King Falcon, Mike, he was on the show almost three months ago. Three, or, nice. or, sorry, three years ago. Three, three years, ago. years ago. June 13th, 2020 was the last time he was on the show. So much has happened since then. They've got new tunes coming out. They signed a new record deal. They got new members of the band. 
just a whole bunch of things going on, Mike. That's a fact. It is very exciting to have him on the show. I can't wait to talk to Mike. Uh, not this Mike. I'm already talking this Mike, but Mike mm-hmm. Rubin. Can't wait yeah. to talk to him. In the meantime, Mike, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy Okay, Mike, you are 31 and a half out of 57, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. wild in yeah, the fact that's... that we are in the 20th week of the show, Mike. Jeez. Think about that. We have been through, by the end of the show, we will have been through 60 birthday suits. Wow. That's wild. That's just time wild. flies, man. Time, time flies. flies. Now, Mm, I don't know if you'll get this one. We'll see. We'll see. Here we go. Hmm. Born on May 24th, 1941 in Duluth, Minnesota, our birthday suit wearer loved music growing up, first gravitating towards country and then gravitating towards rock and roll. He had several bands in high school. In 1959, he went to the University of Minnesota. While at college, he became more interested in American folk music. At the end of his First year of college, he dropped out to start focusing on music. He moved to New York New York, and uh, started playing all over the city. He signed a deal with Columbia Records. In 1963, he released the song, Blowing in the Wind. Hmm. The song grew in fame, and it grew his fame. The album even impressed George Harrison of the Beatles. He said, we just played it, just wore it out. The content of the songs, the lyrics, and it was just the attitude was incredibly original and wonderful. After that, he released the song, The Times Are A-Changin'. In 1965, he made headlines because he switched to electric. Our birthday suit wearer was, uh, has released 39 studio albums. He has been nominated for 49 Grammys. He's won 15. He has a Nobel Prize in Literature. He was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He had, five of his albums are in the Grammy Hall of Fame. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And he has multiple honorary doctorates, including one from Princeton. He's considered one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Mike, he constantly wears sunglasses. He plays a harmonica. He plays an acoustic guitar. Name that birthday suit wearer. Um, ah, this is so embarrassing. Um, come on, Mike. You know Jay- this one. You know this one. I'm gonna James give you the no, 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 no. Come on now. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the initials. B D. B. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan yes. is correct. There you go, Mike. Half half credit. Half credit. I'll take it. We are at 32 out of 58. (laughs) Mike. So bad. This is the Google question for Bob Dylan. What did Bob Dylan sell for $300 million? Any ideas? A car. No, there's no way. No, I'm sorry. That was a dumb. That was a dumb answer. That'd be Uh, one amazing. A car and a guitar. That'd be one. (laughs) Oh, that counts. Yeah. He put a guitar in the passenger seat, and they were like, $300 million. Now it's worth it. <laughs> now it's worth it. He sold all of his publishing rights, Mike. Every single song he sold nice. to the Universal Publishing Group, $300 million. 
There you go. I'm for uh, retirement. I, I will tell you right now, anybody that's out there listening, you can have the publishing rights to all of the Doc G shows if you want for three hundred million dollars. I will three hundred million. I will sell them to you right now for three hundred million to anyone who wants to buy them. Sweet. I'm guessing there will be no takers, Mike. Nope. Well, we don't know that, Doc G. I don't know. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna cross my fingers <laughs> and I'm gonna wait. I'll keep an eye on the uh, Apple reviews yeah, keep, section. Keep keep <laughs> looking out. Keep looking out. We'll see if it happens. Mike, Bob is turning eighty-two. Happy birthday to Bob. Happy birthday, Bob. Enjoy your three hundred million. Uh, that will make your birthday much nicer. Yes, it will. Pretty much buy anything with three hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. What yeah. would you buy okay. on your birthday if you had three hundred million, Mike? I don't even know what I'd do. I would just recreate blank check. I would buy a castle. I would go get unlimited ice cream. I would go to the mall. Yeah. Probably get some kind of. I don't know. I'm trying to think of something really fun that like you you couldn't do without a lot of money. I'm trying to think of what it would be. I don't know. I'd do something. I'd do something. Maybe like you know uh, the um, like the the NBA finals. I would just buy as many tickets as I could to the NBA Finals. Like, basically mm. buy all the seats. All the seats, so it's just me in there. It ruins everybody's <laughs> atmosphere at home. They're like, what did this do? And I'm like, that's right. I spent uh, $80 million on these seats. <laughs> it was a very reckless purchase by myself, but I did it. And it's mm. enjoyable. And I'm watching this game by myself. Look at Joker go. There he goes, right? <laughs> that could be me. That could be me. Anyways, happy birthday to Bob. Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines, Doc G. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, uh, as a child, did you ever uh, find anything cool? on the ground hmm. like like did you ever go to the beach and like find shark's teeth or like sand dollars or or go in the swamp and find arrowheads from native americans hmm. anything like no, that i've never found any artifacts but doc g there was a time when somebody lost their car keys at a playground that i was at and there was a team of people looking for these car keys in the sand and hmm. i found them and I felt really proud of myself. That makes you feel awesome, right? It, it felt great, yeah. I was, I felt like pretty you, much amazing. Yeah, it's it, in all reality, it's not a skill, but you like to think of yourself as like the master finder. You're like, hold on, everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a strategy. I'm gonna find this. Nobody else is gonna be able to do this. You're gonna be very impressed. And then when you do it and you come through, you're like, Told you I guess guys. I am. <laughs> told you guys i'm amazed and you you save the person feeling so good they're like oh my god it is one of my favorite things like a couple of times when i was working at the gym somebody would lose like some really nice jewelry and i'd know who it was and i'd go over there and give it to them and they'd just be so jazzed you know that's good feeling yeah to make them yeah, feel so a, jazzed it's gotta like be that. a great feeling it's nice yeah well uh this is not about jewelry mike this story is about an eight-year-old girl in Norway who found something very interesting, like yourself, in the schoolyard. Oh. She was in the schoolyard, Elise. Elise is her name. And Elise is an eight-year-old. And she was out for recess one day. She's playing around beside some big old rocks. 
some real big yeah. rocks they have in their uh, schoolyard. When uh, her teacher actually noticed, she was playing with a real unique rock. Hmm. And she went over there and looked at the rock, and her teacher, Karen Drain, said, that's no rock. That's an artifact. And she contacted the Vestland County Council, who then contacted archaeologists, and they found the artifact to be a flint knife from Denmark that's roughly 3,700 years old. Whoa. Yeah. Flint knife. Yeah. Flint knife, Mike. Well, it sort of looks like an arrowhead almost. Okay. You know? Because it, it's flint. And Flint's yeah, a rock that you can you can basically manipulate, and it's almost as sharp as uh, as you know iron. And you didn't need to basically manipulate metal because this is pre Iron Age, pre oh, okay. you know. So so yeah, it's uh, it's very old though, three thousand seven hundred mm. years old. Wild, yeah, wild. Two things about uh, uh, Luis Peterson, Mike, an archaeologist who assessed the tool, calls it an incredibly rare and beautiful find. That's a fact. Now, evacuations at the schoolyard turned up no additional artifacts, Mike. They got nothing else, uh, which is sort of unusual for Flint discoveries. Usually they find them at Neolithic burial grounds, uh, Flint manufacturing areas, or uh, game animal kill sites. That's where they're most often found. But they didn't find anything else, just the artifact, which uh, I've got a couple things about that, Mike. Uh, doesn't that seem a little suspicious to you? Hmm. Like, 3,700-year-old artifact just hanging around a big old rock with nothing else there? No other artifacts? Hmm. Right? She planted it. It was planted. Yeah. Like, no digging? Could be. Don't you feel like there should be at least one layer of dirt on something that's been sitting there for 3,700 years? Yeah, at least like a foot or two of dirt, I would, I yeah. would guess, Doctor. You know... I leave a pair of underwear around my apartment for a couple of weeks and a pile of have already gone on top of it. Come on. <laughs> telling me that you're telling me that dirt hasn't accumulated on this thing in 3,700 years is a little suspicious. Yeah. It's a little suspicious. Second, Mike, how much do you think the other kids in Elise's class hated her when the archaeologists came in and started digging up the whole schoolyard to investigate out there, and they couldn't play anymore in the schoolyard. I'd be Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just think about that, because you know that happened. They came in there and excavated the whole thing, and they were just like, really? Really, Elise? This is what you did. This is all all you. This is all you. Thanks, turd. Thanks. Now now we got to play inside. I got to play effing Monopoly. Great. Real excited about this. <laughs> Lame, Mike. Mike, uh, you are a stand-up comedian. See. Now, I got to ask, uh, have you ever done stand-up naked? No. That's frightening. I did wear, sh- I wore, sh- I wore shorts one time. I wore <laughs> basketball shorts once. And that is it. Did you feel That's out of place when you were doing yes, it in, in it basketball I shorts? Bombed. I hated it. It was weird. Oh, I, I no. Disrespectful to the art. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I think I could do shorts. I think I'd be fine with that. I, well, I don't know. I think I... Uh, yeah. That seems... I mean, you I, could. Gabriel Iglesias. That's his character. That's yeah. His you got to go with it. But, I mean, you, yeah. you got to go full-on dress. That's what you do. 
But apparently, yeah. Mike, there is a place now in New York. New York Times had an article about this. The Naked Comedy Show. Hmm. Regular show. The artists come out. They are naked. Mm. They do their stand-up while being naked. They leave naked. Yeah, no way. How frightening is that? That'd be terrible. That is that is so much, so much pressure, Mike. So much pressure. Yeah, it's already tough to public speak, like in, in the first place, you know. And then to tell jokes, and uh, it's yeah, no way, no way. It's naked? like come on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's so much pressure when you got to get naked in front of somebody for the first time, anyways. Yeah. Uh, you got yes, a whole, agree. you got a whole crowd. They got a yeah. whole crowd. <laughs> Although I will say, streaking's pretty fun, Mike. Yeah, streaking's a good time. I've done it several times. Really? Done it several times. It's a good oh, time. Wow. It's very liberating, Mike. It's very liberating. Where'd you streak? Where's your most memorable streak? Got to make sure it's a warm night, Mike. You do okay. not. Yeah, you do not definitely. want that on a cold night. Uh, no. Mike, probably most memorable streak, I would say, was at a high school senior party. So true. Senior high school party near the end of the year. Me and Kristen Reed, we got naked and we shot across that party completely naked in the backyard. Wow. It's a good time. It's a fun so time. So it was Mike. you and another girl. Yeah, Kristen. Kristen Reed. Uh, That's great. Fun fact, Mike. Me and Kristen uh, voted uh, high school superlative class clowns. So there you go. It fit it fit our superlatives. Us there going streaking across. I'm pretty sure she's a uh, emergency room nurse now. Shout out to Kristen, Shout wherever out. Kristen may be. I haven't kept yeah. up with her. But we did uh, share a, a great streaking moment at one point in time. Regardless, Mike, I did not tell any <laughs> jokes while I was streaking. That is for sure. I yeah. was solely focused on being naked, which at this mm -hmm. time, you should be solely focused on telling jokes. You can't mix the two. It's no, way too hard. That's way, like, what are you going to do? You Like, you're up there. The fear of bombing is immense. You're worried about, uh, and then you look down, and you're like, oh, crap, my wiener's out, too. Like, that's just, that's horrible. Yeah, that is be terrible. so bad. And then, like, you yeah. look down at the front row, and there's just one person just looking at your crotch, and you're just like, hmm. Yeah. Hey, yeah. sir, back up. Oh, jeez. Does it smell? <laughs> Did I not wash enough down there? Like, it's just... God, that is a nightmare, Mike. Yeah, that would be tough. That would be tough. You know, like, I like to, uh, personally, I like to dress up when I do stand-up. I like to dress as nice as possible. So that way, at least if I'm bombing, you know, at least I look nice while I'm yeah. doing it, you know? At you, least it's... Uh, you didn't dress the part, but you dress nice. Exactly. Well, you dress the part, I guess you could say you dress the part of, like, a traditional comic. There we go. Although yep. you don't really take the traditional dress. Like, it would no. be really weird if you just came up there in, like, a three-piece suit. Especially with the places that you play in, like, Vegas. If you went to Wise Guys and you just showed up in a three-piece suit with, like, a fedora on. And you were like, hey, all right. Gonna tell some jokes here. People would be like... I would get like, zero laughs. I would get zero laughs, yeah. What the is this dude doing? This is way too this, distracting. This is... What is he, Sammy Davis Jr.? What the is this? <laughs> Anyways, Mike... I don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. We're not doing no it. We're not a part of it. Mike, not we need chance. to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other. 
Wait, we're not going to be right back with them. We're going to play them right now. We're playing King Falcon. <laughs> this is when the party is over right here on the Doc G Show. Slow down for a minute. We said we wouldn't, but we did. And now we're in it. No going back now. Hold on, something's changing. Feels like we're falling. All our thoughts are rearranging. We're in a dream now. Show Spinnaker Radio WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do the listeners need to do? Well, Doc G, if the listeners feel like the show is a positive way to waste their time, mm-hmm. they should please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever they get their podcasts. Uh, it is a cost effective way to support the show. And 
Dakshi, if the listeners are feeling extra generous, they should definitely leave us a five-star review. So true. And a comment. We love comments. Amen. I do agree. Uh, Mike, we need to thank those regular listeners. It's important. Sometimes I think, sometimes I get excited about other things. I forget to, to shower them with praise as much as they should have. But these guys stick with us through thick and thin, and I appreciate that. And Me you know too. who else? I was about to say, Mike appreciates that. I appreciate it, yeah. So, without <laughs> further ado, here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richard, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Spartanburg, South Carolina, Athens, Georgia, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Woo! Great job, Doctor. Uh, screwed up right on uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Got a little trip there. Not as bad tiny, as sometimes. Tiny yeah. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Baton Rouge reminded me. Uh, the regulars, Baton Rouge. We need to send out a shout out to a, a former uh, former guest of the show. I'm going to pull him off the wall here. Hmm. Ryan Clark. Shout, uh, out. shout out. Shout out to Ryan Clark. Uh, he just won an Emmy, Mike. He won an oh. Emmy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, nice. he's he's been grinding in the sports world. So it's true. been impressive, man. He doesn't stop. I'll give it up to him. It's a it's I mean it's a it's a little, you know, it's one of those things that me and you talk about a lot off the air, but he's he's one of those guys that just I mean like you respect you respect his grind. Yeah, like, he's got yeah. Like he takes any opportunity and every opportunity. And like he came on to the Doc G show why? Why did he need to come on to the Doc D show? He didn't need to come on. He's on ESPN. Why the crap should he come on to our show? But he did. He came on yeah, to the did. Doc G show. And now he has a sports podcast that has like the like literally every single biggest name you can think of in sports he's had on there. Mike Tyson, Tom Brady, Jimmy Butler, just like all of these the biggest names. He's had them all on there. Yeah. And the dude came on here. Why? Because he was grinding. Yeah, he was. Getting those reps. Mad respect That's for right. Ryan Clark. Mm-hmm. Love the dude. All about positivity, too. Shout out to shout out to Ryan. Love that guy. Yeah. Shout out to Ryan Clark. RC. RC getting it done. Mike, you Thank know. Thank you, RC. You know who else is getting it done? Four-star listeners. Yes. We need to we need to give a shout out. Uh pretty short list this week because a lot of our um five-star listeners took the 25 top spots so mm. they bumped out a lot of the four-star listeners so shout out. shout out to columbus ohio shout out to richmond virginia shout out to clearwater florida uh i'll probably screw this up but uh shot a shout out to a uh, wenatchee washington wenatchee i guess that's how it's uh pronounced i'm guessing sounds cool that way Winachi, it's W-E-N-A-T-C-H-E-E. Winachi, that's what I was going mm. with. I don't know. Might be wrong. Let us know, Winachi. Shout out to Cary, North Carolina. Shout out to Houston, Texas. Shout out to home of the J-Chips, Chicago, Illinois. I will yes. have you, J-Chips. 
I will have you. You know what I've been enjoying, by the way, Mike, uh, hmm. recently? Uh, and the, the vegetarians of the, the show that are listening, close your ears. But uh, I've, been, I've been enjoying pork rinds recently. Pork rinds? Yeah. Yeah. It's, huh. it's, it's, you know, it's a big switch up. There's no carbs. There, there's, there's, there's a good amount of fat. But there's also a good amount of protein. And you get a crunch like a, a chip. It's a good switch up every now and then. I like to do it. Interesting. Yeah. Anyways, shout out to Louisville, Kentucky. Shout out to San Antonio, Texas. Shout out to Istanbul, Turkey. Shout out to Waterford, Virginia. Shout out to Lawton, Oklahoma. And lastly, shout out to Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Shout out. There we go. Thank you to all the five and the four-star listeners. We appreciate it. We do. We do. Mike, do you want the actor or the musician for this birthday suit? Let's go with the musician. All right. This is a rapper. Closely, uh, uh, close, close to the same age as you, Mike. A little, just a, a, a tad younger. Uh, here we go. Born on May 24th, 1989, with the birthday uh, name of Gerald Earl Gillum. And he was born in Oakland, California. Our birthday suit wearer was always interested in music. He ended up going to college for music, first in Berkeley, California, then at uh, Loyola University in New Orleans, where he graduated with a degree in music industry studies. Throughout college, he worked as a producer and a performer. By 2010, he opened for artists like Snoop Dogg and Lil Wayne. He released his first uh, full-length album in 2012. Uh, album title was Must Be Nice. In 2014, he released his second album. It was his first major label album uh, titled These Things Happen. In 2016, he released two of his biggest songs to date, me, myself, and I, and he was featured on the Britney Spears song, Make Me. In 2017, he released his third album, The Beautiful and the Damned, with the song, Him and I, which fe uh, featured Halsey, who he was romantically involved with at the time. He took a new direction with his music in 2020 when he released the album, Everything Strange Here. It has a much more rock feel to that album. He then released his next album, Things Happen, in 2021. Name that birthday suit wearer. Me, myself, and I. Yeah. Um, Woo! I want to say... Me, myself, and I. No? Um, I know that song, but... Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. No idea. Is it... D Actually, can I say D-R-A-M? I don't know if that's... Uh, I'm kind of Dram? No. No. Dram, it's not him. Okay. No, no. It starts with the G, Mike. G Gucci Man. <laughs> G Easy. G Easy. Ah, I'm also right again. Ah yeah. But that's that's the song. You've heard the song. There you go. Yeah, I've definitely heard the song. Oh yeah. There you go. He he was going out with Halsey. He was on top of the world, man. You put it back like 2016, that guy was all over the place. Dayton Halsey mm -hmm. and putting out top 10 songs there. 
I mean, he, he he doesn't seem to be that high on the list anymore. No offense to him. He's what? Still, he, I mean, I'm still he's doing things, but you know, just saying. Regardless, Mike, he's uh, what's what's he turning? Thirty four. Thirty four for G Easy. There you go. Great age. Hey, not a bad That's... age. Not no. a bad age. Mike, we need to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other than Mike Rubin. From the fantastic band King Falcon right here on the Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are super happy to be welcoming a returning guest, lead singer and guitarist of King Falcon, Mr. Mike Rubin. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Really excited to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I I, I went back and I checked because I was thinking, you know, Mike's been on the show. When was that? It was three years ago. We last, you were last on the show June 17th, 2020. And uh, wow, I, yeah, or when the party's over, even right? I think that was we were talking about shake, shake, shake. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so I like went back and I listened to it. You know, I listened to our interview and I, and I thought about like it was, it was wild. We were talking about you know height of the pandemic stuff. We were talking about you know how you uh, we were afraid at the gas station to touch anything. You know and. Uh, you guys, as far as your your band, like you couldn't tour, you couldn't really like promote that much. I mean, obviously the pandemic's been pretty horrible. It was horrible for a lot of people, but like, what kind of damper did it put on King Falcon as far as the actual band? Sure. Um, so here's what I'll say is that a lot of bands that started like a year or two earlier kind of were able to get a little bit more momentum, uh, more momentum so that they can kind of have gigs to book and stuff now. Um, we didn't get to play our first show. It was supposed to be April 1st, 2020, if you remember. Mm-hmm. So um, at first, there's that initial kind of blow to your confidence and to your excitement. You're like, oh man, we just put this really cool song out. We just did this whole thing and we put a whole lot of time and money into it. Uh, and then now there's just this like indefinite darkness as to when something else is going to happen. So the initial thing is like do all doom and gloom. However, I will say this, looking back on it now and all the stuff that we've kind of accomplished in, in the years since, um, it's good that we didn't play that first show because we didn't really have an identity as a band yet. We had that one song and we had kind of an idea of what King Falcon was supposed to be. But what COVID allowed us to do is it allowed us to just lock ourselves in a room for basically a whole year um, and just put a killer album together. So we, we, we do have a full length album it's already recorded, mixed, mastered. We still need an album cover, still working on that, but that's fine. 
Um, and it's got like 11 songs on it. And I think all of those 11 songs are way better than Shake. Uh, and I think as we were writing, we kind of like really honed in on the identity of the band. Uh, and now, you know, our live shows way way better. We've got like a light rig, you know, we've got like a whole kind of thing. We were just working on like like transitions and stuff last night, like stuff that's not even on the record. So we had a chance to really um, make it a lot better because we didn't feel the pressure of like having to perform next week or having to perform 10 yeah. times. So at first, uh, in summary, at first it was all doom and gloom, but then when you accept the situation and you try to make the best of it, you get to the other side and you look back and you're like, you know what? I think that was actually what was supposed to happen. And that was probably, um, I don't want to say the best thing for us because COVID was awful for everybody, but we made the best of a bad situation. And, and with the circumstances, I think it was actually pretty good. And I think we got some killer songs out of it that we never would have gotten if not for like just being stuck in a room together. And another and, we have a third band member. Since yeah. Then. Yeah. Well, I, I, de- I definitely want to talk about uh, adding to the band. Uh, but I mean, as far as that transition, one of the things that seems like when you guys, uh, sort of found yourself in the position you were in during COVID, you guys sort of went the old school way, or at least it seemed the old school way of sending out your song, uh, when the party's over out to record labels, uh, which, you know, just the old school, here's our, here's our demo. What do you think? How many album or how many record labels did you send it out to? Um, le- less than you think. It's not like we, we had a list of like four thousand. <laughs> you know, there was. I mean, obviously, we, we shot for the Atlantic Columbia like everybody does, and they didn't even open the email. I'm sure, but that's okay. We'll get there. Um, but honestly, Mascot was one of the ones that we were really excited about because um, they are a really guitar heavy label. Like they've got Kenny Wayne. Uh, they've got Crowbar, they've got P.O.D., like they had Eric Johnson, like just a whole host of, of killer guitar players. So I felt pretty confident that we weren't going to go in there and, and have them be like, hey, um, no more guitar solos, which is kind of my thing. There's like a solo on every song. I don't know if you could tell. I have like, and by the way, there's another room downstairs with another 30 of them. So like I just, I all I do is just guitars like all day. I'm just drowning in them. So um, to be on a label that actually supports that is kind of cool. Uh, and it's a small label, so I mean, we, we still end up doing a lot of the work on our on our own. But it, it is good to have that stamp of like, hey, um, we have a label, like we're you know, check us out. Uh, and, and again, that also kind of ties in with the fact that we weren't able to gig during during COVID. So having that label kind of push from the start, uh, it helps. And it's actually, I mean, it's kind of unheard of in this day and age, like you were saying. Um, it's not like they came to see us live before they signed us. We got signed entirely based on the When the Party is Over song and music video. It, so, um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a, a crazy story. Were were you, I mean, when they responded, was that, were you like, is this sort of a trick? Is this like, I mean, like, because it does seem. I was kind of surprised and I had, I had a little bit of that feeling like, like you ever played Guitar Hero? Yeah. You know, like go through the 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 career you get like different sponsorships you know like and that that sort of is happening to me now like in my real life like like i had an endorsement with esp i have an endorsement with supro and then and then i had i got one with fender which what like i'm very low level endorsed by fender but i am endorsed by fender and when that happened to me it was like the coolest thing ever i I bought like 10 freaking guitars i was like yeah i got like fender underwear dude like i the whole thing um and then on top of that, then it was like the label hit us up, and I was like, "That's it, I've made it. I'm the king. 
see all you losers later. Yeah. And it was like totally not. We're still very much just at the beginning of, of our journey here. And we still got to put a lot of the work in. But there was that one day where I was walking around totally feeling like, like Mick Jagger, dude. I was like, okay. Love it. Love it. Well, now, like you mentioned, one of the big things. Now, did this book, did this come before you guys signed the with the label or after that you added uh, uh, you added Tom to the the band? It was after. Um, so we had recorded Shake and we had recorded When the Party's Over, uh, and we had a couple demos that um, probably will never see the light of day, or maybe they will. And by by a couple, I mean we probably got like 30, 40 demos. It was a lot of demos. Um, and you know we were playing and, and we just kind of wanted the sounds of the speaker you know like when there's only two guys and, and yeah we do use some backing tracks live because we've got some triggers and we've got some synths and again like i gotta play guitar and sing and james used to just have to play drums um but we wanted to be able to do more on stage have more energy just have it sound bigger uh and the label kind of agreed so we were looking for a bass player and we couldn't find a bass player uh i knew one guy but he's kind of got some life commitments whatever but you know, and, and this is like our baby. You know, we don't want to just hire some session guy. We want to get somebody that we like to know. Um, we didn't have a bass player, but we found Tom. And Tom, I've known him for probably six or seven years at this point. He used to be in another band called In Loving Memory, which was like a actually like a heavy metal band, which is kind of cool. Um, but we, he's the nicest guy. I mean, if I could equate Tom to like an animal, he would be a golden retriever. I mean, he is just like the nicest happiest guy which is good if you're going to live in a van with them on the road um and he is just a monster musician i mean we know him as playing drums but he's a killer keyboard player he's a great singer he's almost as good of a guitar player as i am like two percent dude like he's he's killer on guitar um and well he's like not that good at bass though but james kind of plays bass so uh Tom is better at drums than James, so he's playing drums now, and James is like, screw it, I'll play bass so I can play with the lights and things, and, you know, me, I I just do my thing up there. So that's kind of how we ended up with Tom, and it was cool because it wasn't weird because we, we've known him for so long. Well, I was about to say, Tom, you know, I, I was looking at Tom's, like, you know, just background, his, his social media, everything. I mean, he has his own music out there, and his, his own music before the, uh, uh, well, in between king falcon and his old band it was almost like in the the pop punk realm yeah it's you know here's what i'll say about tom is that he is just so relentlessly creative that he like needs an outlet constantly he gets like the itch you know so uh, a month from now it could be like uh like a uh, like a funk project or like a like uh i don't know it, it, he could come out with something completely different just because he sits around and like itches to come up with something like he'll listen to something and he'll be like oh my god i have to make an album that kind of sounds like that so he just it's just a he's like too creative for his own good sometimes you know and he just constantly has to make stuff now now uh i've heard you mention this before but since he's been in the band how many people have you seen tell him he looks like machine gun kelly all of them every every person every single one of them um, and anybody who is young enough to know Machine Gun Kelly, like we were in Machine Gun Kelly, I believe is from Cincinnati or somewhere in Ohio, or, or maybe not, so. may not be from there. there for some period of time. And so we just played a gig in Vegas a couple weeks ago, but we had to drive there. So we were driving through Ohio and you know, the van is pretty visible in front. It's kind of like sitting in a fishbowl and every single red light, I'm telling you, eyes were just like, 
oh my god, it's happening, she's not doing And it's like, you know, the, the tattoo gives it away because he doesn't have the tattoo. But everybody, for like, me who pulled up and these girls in the car next to us were like going nuts, you know. Uh, and, and you see Tom, Tom plays into it too. I mean, not like on purpose, but he'll, you know, he kind of sits there like this and I'll like look over. Anyway, it's funny. <laughs> uh, you, and then once you get their attention even more, then you're like, well, we're not Machine Gun Kelly. But we are a band. If you'd like to get interested in our band, here's our information. Here's our music. Did you know Machine Gun Kelly plays drums? Check out our band. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you you mentioned it. You guys just it was about a month ago. You went uh, all the way to Las Vegas. Crazy. You you uh, five thousand mile round trip, and you didn't kill each other. So you should win an we award almost, for that. Um, I I always say. So James and I have been together the longest. Uh, we've been in bands and done musical projects for probably about 15 years. And I'm like, I'm 24. So it's been like my whole life. Um, and I always say that James is my best friend while also being my arch nemesis. And my line is that I would take a bullet for James, but I would be the first person to shoot him. <laughs> it's uh. It's a rough relationship right there, but you you made it. Yeah, we did, we did, we did make it, and uh, our van almost left us stranded. So not not to get too caught up in this, but I'm 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 a car guy, but I'm not a diesel guy, so I don't know anything about diesels. We have a, like a diesel Sprinter van, and if you don't fill it with with exhaust fluid, which by the way, I didn't know it was a thing, and I know anybody who's diesel guys be watching this, being like, you idiot, how did you not know what depth is? I know what depth is now. I know all about it. Um, we didn't fill the van. And we're driving and we're like tooting around in like Colorado or whatever, 2,000 miles away from home. We get a thing on the dashboard that says 10 starts left. We still have the rest of the journey. We have to play the show and we have to drive back. So we, we pull over, whatever, we turn the van off, we try to figure it out, turn it back on, nine. So we're like, oh, we're not turning the van off the whole way. Um, really great mechanic in um, Colorado helped us out, guy, guy named uh, guy named Steve. Uh, so shout out to Steve if you watch this. But the van did break again on the way back, so same thing happened. But it was it was a, a, a treacherous journey, especially because we were going through uh, a blizzard in the Rocky Mountains with like five stars left, so we didn't want to mess around. I I love that though. I didn't. I mean, honestly, I'm not. I'm definitely. I'm not really a car guy. I'm not definitely not a a diesel guy. But I do like the the idea of letting you know like this countdown. I would definitely... Well, I think that's stupid about it. It seems like a good idea, but death, right, this exhaust fluid that I mentioned, it's not essential to the car running. It's only to make sure that the emissions aren't bad, which, like, hey, like, we all care about the environment. Global warming is real. Like, like I, I'm, I'm with it on that. But it's not essential to the car running, and I'm 2,000 miles away from home. Don't force the car to turn off. I still got to get back. I'll put the... I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can understand in that point. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, and by the way, you know what death is? You know what exhaust fluid is made of? It's, it's synthetic pee. It's synthetic urea. So here I was filling up the van at 3 o'clock in the morning in the parking lot, and the thing spilled, so I'm, like, covered in synthetic a lot in, like, but middle America at 3 a.m. That was our tour. It was fun. Hey, you got you to gotta go through the experiences, man. Synthetic urea. I didn't know there was a use for urea besides being excreted out of humans. Huh. All right. Yeah, it's about about five bucks a gallon. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. I saw, I saw the actual, I saw the Instagram of you guys putting it in the car. That's right. Yeah, in the, in the van. That's, that's it, yeah. That's yeah. it. Well, now, 
I mean, you did have, it seemed like you had some cool stops on the way as far as on the trip. Yeah. Hoover Dam and, and like Grand Canyon. What was the best stop for you? Not the Grand Canyon because it was like 65 bucks a person to see the Grand Canyon. And I think that's just ridiculous. Um, a little much. That's a side note. Uh, honestly, stopping in Route 66 was really cool, and it was a total accident. We kind of got lost, and then we were looking around, and we found ourselves in the little village that, like, the, mo- the movie Cars was in. Like, exactly. Uh, it was just one little street, like, Radiator Springs, and there's, like, you know, like a mural of Lightning McQueen and, like, uh, I don't know, like, a gas station, you know? But it was just this quaint little town, and again, being a car guy, it was cool because that's, like, it was full of cars, and they were all kind of, like... Um, rusty desert kind of spec like old muscle cars which i just i just really like personally so that was really cool um vegas was cool just driving around vegas like two o'clock in the morning you know seeing all the lights and stuff um and it was also weird having our own car in vegas you know when you like fly somewhere and you get out and you rent a car or whatever but when you're somewhere very far away from home and you're driving your own car you're like it's just my car i gotta turn this back this this is uh, important. Yeah. I gotta focus on this thing. I think for James, it probably would have been In and Out, um, because the, and you know what's even better about that is that James is a vegan until we go on the West Coast, and then he's not a vegan anymore. In and Out's there, but oh, the whole time he's here, he's vegan. That's a that's a interesting. There's one one exception. That's In and Out, and then I turn not vegan. That's uh yeah. I've, that's it. and he. He was paying for it, you know. He got like the, the, the double double animal style with everything, and he got it. Luckily, he got it after our show because if he got it before our show, we'd have to cancel the gig. Mm, mm, that is, uh, James. You got to work with your digestive tract, not against it. Come on, man. That's, uh, yikes, yikes. Well, uh, I this is a little bit off topic, but speaking of travel, I did see. Uh, not with the band, I don't think. You you just went to you went to Iceland uh, several months back. Yeah, going back again in November. Um, I think it's the only place I I will ever go again on vacation. Um, not to get too deep into it, but like, you know, I'm from New York, man. I've I've seen plenty of uh, plenty of city. You know, I've been I've been to Europe a couple of times. I've seen I've seen plenty of cities there. They're all cool. I like cities, but what I really like, weirdly enough, is to be able to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and like just go to the middle of a field and watch the sunrise and then like go chill in a hot springs for the rest of the day and then come back and like eat some whale. That's like a good day for me, you know? Um, so Iceland was all about that. It's really very much about scenery. Coolest part about Iceland, there's a bunch of waterfalls. You could just pull up and just like, they give you a cup and you could just drink right out the waterfall. It's like the best water ever, you know? Um, it's cool. I think, I think um, in some days I'll, uh, I'll rest my tired old bones in Iceland while nice. everybody else is going to Florida. Nice. I mean, it look it, it, you definitely had some good pictures. Definitely had some good waterfall pics. Uh, oh yeah, all waterfalls, man. You gotta go. I, I, I'll, I'll put it on the list. I'm not too much a. I'll, I always think about going on trips, and then it just never happens. It's one of those things, and I'm like, yeah, and then it just, yeah. But. Regardless, you guys, let's let's talk music. You've got you just released Cadillac about a month and a half ago. Uh, yeah. Title pretty straightforward. It's about a Cadillac. This Cadillac actually exists. Tell tell me about the inspiration of this call. Sure. So I 
this is like my favorite story to tell. Usually when I get interviewed, they ask me about stories for songs. And sometimes songs are about something like you don't really want to talk about or, or this song. I'm like, yes, I want to talk about Cadillac all the time. So you saw the music video. Mm-hmm. The car in that video, that very car, that one is the song that Cadillac is about. That is the Cadillac. That's the car. That's the one. Uh, the guy driving it, who we steal the car from, is the guy who owns that car. Nice. Um, and that is my very best friend in the whole world. His name's Simon. Uh, we've been friends for a very long time. And and so here's the story with that that car, right? So he has had that car for like 10, 12 years. And I've known about it, but we've never driven it. And he knows, like, he's a car guy. I'm a car guy. But he's just had it in storage, whatever. One day, out of the blue, he calls me up. He's like, dude, come over. You got to see what I brought out. Immediately, I know it's the Cadillac. He doesn't even have to say. So I go to AutoZone pick up some starter fluid, you know, just like, oh, I know, like, because I'm going to try to get this thing running, right? So I pull up, get to his house, he opens up the garage, there it is, 19 feet of just glorious, sparkling red, just fins and all, just a beautiful car. Uh, he's like, well, all right, yeah, we take a look around, have a seat in it, and then, like, let's go get lunch or whatever. I'm like, no way, dude, we're driving this thing. He's like, you know, we're driving this thing. He's like, that doesn't have plates. The, uh, in the music video, you see that plate on the front of the car. My buddy's Russian. He's from Russia. So that's a, like a Russian plate. It's not like a plate. You know, there's no like registration, inspection. Like the car's not insured. Like as illegal as you could possibly make it. That's how this car was. Tires are like 40 years old. Like we haven't checked the freaking brakes. Like none of that stuff. So obviously whatever, I get it started. And I'm, I hop in. I'm like, come on, bro. Let's go. He's like, what do you mean? Let's go. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Get in. He, he has to come around the other side because, like, one of the doors doesn't open, you know. So we kind of, like, one door. And we're driving this thing, man. And he, he let me drive it. And I've never driven a car from the 50s before. By the way, they have two speeds. Slow and fast. And they're both terrifying. Um, <laughs> slow is, like, eaten. And it's, like, it, it goes like this. And you're the, you're suggesting that the car stop with the brakes. It's not really like the brakes work. Uh, and fast, we didn't we didn't venture there. Because there, it was just, like, oh, the way there was terrifying. But... Um, here we are driving this thing, 15 miles an hour, just absolutely breaking necks, dude. Every person that we pass is looking at us like I'm Marilyn Monroe and it's like windy out, you know, like just, just supermodel going down the road. And I'm looking in the mirror and I see the fins and it's just like, I feel like Elvis driving this thing. Uh, until we had to turn it around um, and it was 19 feet long and I held up traffic and everybody was honking at me, but whatever. Seven point like, turn. Exactly, yeah. We had to get out and like sight and like hold traffic. It was awful. But the whole time I'm driving this car, I'm thinking about how he's had this car for 10 years and he hasn't driven it. And and I'm thinking about how much I love this car. And I'm like, man, I know he's my best friend, but I got to steal his car. It's got to be my car, man. Like, I guess I could just buy it for me, but that's not quite as exciting. Um, and I know he would sell it to me. I just, I don't have a garage. I have nowhere to put it. Um, but anyway, he, he, he loved the idea and we talked about it. And then I wrote the whole song and I came home and, and showed it to the guys. And, and that was kind of it. And so the, the, the funny part about actually writing the song is that I came up with that bass line first, but I didn't play it on a bass. I played it on like a synthesizer. And for a whole week straight, uh, it was during COVID, like my girlfriend was staying here with me. Nobody else was, was around. And I, I was just listening to that bass line, do, 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 coming up with different ideas. And she was sitting in the next room. I think day four she came in, she was like, you have to stop. I never want to hear that bass again. It's just, and it's still like that. Even when we play that song live, I hear she like rolls her eyes. She's like, I never want to hear that song again. But 
that baseline was essential to kind of holding it down. And uh, and I remember I had like a, a whole separate other part of the song and it kind of wasn't fitting. So I just chopped it and made it shorter. And then the, now that's Cadillac. So uh, and, and the other thing is this. Um, one more final thing about that is that we recorded the music video before we recorded the final version of the song. Oh. So we recorded the music video uh, to the demo. So voice and everything, we were so confident in the demo of the song that it wasn't going to change to the final that we made the demo, recorded the video to the demo, and then recorded the actual song, which I think that's, nobody does. I was about to say, that's real risky right there. Yeah, so Cadillac, Cadillac was a cool song, and again, me being a car guy, like it's, that song is totally my vibe, and any excuse I have to plaster a 50s Cadillac on everybody's uh, feed, I will take. Well, I'll say, you know, using the demo, that was pretty wild, especially with the, the animation portion of the video. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, 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 the girl that you got to do the animation, that's some insane work right there that she put in. Yeah. And it was her first, um, like, full-length animation project ever. Uh, she had done a lot of, like, five, ten-second shorts, but it was the first time that she's done something that's been full-length, and she killed it. And I think there's 800 hours that she put into it. It's nuts, man. It, it is nuts. I mean, it came out looking awesome, but that uh, I can hey. I can only imagine for her how much just like going frame by frame, going back. Too much, too much for me. I I was gonna say I think originally our, our time frame was like three months, and then the whole video ended up taking close to a year to animate. Whew, whew. That is a lot of hours. But I could, I could, yeah. I, I bet she feels, feels some pride when she sees it. She's like, yeah, that was it. That was it right there. Well, now I hear your dad makes a guest appearance as the cop in that video. Yeah. You know, my dad, uh, my dad makes a guest appearance in a lot of videos. He's just like the, a very tall, imposing guy. You know, like we had, uh, like with my last band, we had a video and there was like, like a scene where there's like a deal done in a sketchy alleyway. And it's like my dad, just cause he's like very tall. Um, yeah, he was the police officer in this one, too. I think in the next video, um, there's a brief shot of him. We're, like, running through a crowd, and he just gets, like, shoved out of the way. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure that anybody would actually see it. I'm not sure that'll actually make the final cut. But, um, anyway, he, he cameo. It's just a funny thing. He's sort of like Stan Lee in all the Marvel movies. Yeah. Nice. Kind of. Nice. Well, now, speaking, I mean, you've, you've said it a bunch as far as being a, a car guy, I've I've heard you've got a, a a Mustang. Give me the deets. I do. My pride and joy. It's also the bane of my existence. Uh, we have a song about it. Um, it's not out yet. The song's called Ride. You'll hear it at some point. Um, the chorus of that song. A uh, little tangent here. The chorus of that song is even though I know I should, I don't think I really could. Um, it means even though I think I even though I know I should sell it. I don't think I really could sell it. And that's what, that's like the whole premise of the song. And I was writing that song when I think it was like sometime around April, like a year or two ago. So like I just had all my money taken from my account by the tax man, obviously. Uh, and I went to go out for a drive, whatever. And like my car wouldn't start. And then it was like another thousand bucks getting it fixed. So like I was just sitting at home, like really mad about just like having to pay. Like my, my mechanic was like wearing a Rolex like next time I saw him. Um, and I was just really mad about it, so I wrote a song about it. So, so that's my relationship with the car. But I think it's cool. It's a V8, stick shift. It, it's really loud. Um, it's got no traction control. You know, like it's it's fun. Uh, I was about that was my follow up question. Was are are you ever going to write a song for it? You already have. There you go. 
Yeah. I, well, I've written I, in my days. I've written a couple songs about that that car, but "Ride" is probably the the one that's most because it's like it's a song about like having kind of an abusive relationship with like your significant other, but it's about my car. And every time we play it live, like we play that whole song, and then at the end, I'm like, "Thank you, that's a song about my car." And I just look at all the crowd, and they're like, <laughs> "Yeah." Well, now speaking of old classics. Uh, we've got this new movie coming out about the co-founder of Casablanca Records. It's called Spinning Gold. Uh, one of the big groups for Casablanca, Kiss. And you played Spaceman, Ace Freely. Yeah. That's awesome. That how, was, how did that come about? That such a cool experience. Uh, again, I, I got kind of have like probably way too long stories for everything, but this one I think is a fun story. So it's like, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night on like a Wednesday. Like I'm in my pajamas, whatever. I got a phone call from my guy at the label. He's like, hey man, um, you know how to play any Kiss songs? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I, I like, I know Detroit Rock City. and like rock and roll night, whatever. He's like, cool, cool, cool. Um, I need a video of you playing a Kiss song. And I need it in like two minutes. Fine. I was like, all right, whatever. So I'm literally like in my pajamas, whatever, like pick up my guitar. And I'm just like, here's Kiss. I'm like being an idiot from the camera. Um, you know, phone call at like midnight, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, Hey, this is, uh, this is Tim. Um, wondering if you could come in tomorrow for a fitting, like we'll get you all squared away. And I'm like, Tim, whatever. In that moment, I'm getting a text from my guy at the label. He's like, Hey, Tim Bogart's calling you. So I'm like, Tim Bogart. Yeah. So I go on, I, like I go Google Tim Bogart. And I'm like, Oh, yes, Mr. <laughs> Tim. I'll, I'll be there tomorrow i'd love to see you so like literally happens just like that next next morning they're fitting me for the spandex you know like it, it happens just like that and then uh i think we started filming like a week or two later uh and it was crazy because it was in the middle of covid so they were testing us on set like four or five times a day so like yeah. i would go in and stick something up my nose i'd go do like half the scene stick something up my nose and just go sit in the trailer and then i stick something up my nose um oh yeah by the way i showed up and had a trailer how crazy is that it was like a real movie star i i and here's here's my, my my favorite part about it. So obviously the whole set is catered, right? Like there's food and stuff everywhere. But I'm like just an extra, you know. I'm not the star here. I'm like that's probably not for me, right? So I'm sitting in my trailer thinking like I probably shouldn't have this trailer. I'm like waiting for the real guy. I like ordered food, man, because I, I was there for all like I was there all day, and I was like this is probably not for me. Like I'm not I'm not really supposed to be here. Um, and one of the the production assistants came out and was like. Who Uber Eats. So I was like, that's me. They were like, no, there's free food inside, right? I was like, oh, I didn't think that was me. Um, but anyway, it was, it was a really great experience. Uh, I met Jay Farrow from Saturday Night Live, and he, can I just say, he's the absolute nicest guy. Like, super cool, hung out with us. He is equally as funny live as he is on Saturday Night Live. Like, he's, he's the coolest guy. And at the premiere, he actually remembered me, which was really cool, and he said he liked my coat, so that made my whole night. Nice. Um, but the the, the person that I was really, really starstruck by was um, Vincent Pastore from The Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, if you're familiar, he plays big And for me, that was really the perfect time to see him because I had just finished watching The Sopranos for the first time. And I didn't know he was going to be in the movie. So I'm up there looking like an idiot. I got the guitar and my face paint. I'm all wet, whatever. I look over and I'm like, holy shit, that's big Everybody's like, yeah, no that's him um and i was just kind of freaking out i was like oh my god like I, like i hope he thinks i'm cool he's like 50 feet away from me like not even looking at me you know 
Um, I remember uh, after we finished our scene, he comes up to me and he's like, hey, Ace, you're supposed to come on my show, but you beat the wife, huh? <laughs> and I was like, I did absolutely no research on this character at all. I watched like two videos of him playing and I was like, all right, cool. Like, don't use my thumb and just kind of like look like I'm going to fall over. I have no idea what he's talking about. And I was like, what? And he's like, come on, you didn't do your character research. And I was like, no, man, I play guitar. I'm not an actor. And then he scolded me for being a terrible actor, but it was okay because he's the coolest guy ever. Uh, and then he told me, he's like, hey, you know, Bobby Bacala was supposed to take this role instead, but he's just too busy today. So they got me. Um, and he's, that was really cool. That was the first time, I think, in a long time that I was really starstruck. I was just sitting there, like, unable to say anything. And keep in mind, beside me is Jay Farrell, who's also kind of starstruck. There's Sam Harris from X Ambassadors, who's... Uh, no, I wouldn't say he was starstruck. He he seemed pretty pretty cool. Uh, and also, uh, my new like best friend, uh, you know the band August Burns Red. Mm-hmm. Their drummer Matt Griner was the he played Peter Chris in one of the scenes, and he was there with me, and we were both there just like, you know, like can't believe. It. So it was great. It was cool. Uh, and then that scene was really fun because I was up there um, getting rained on while we were playing because the scene is Kisses like one of their first shows in a hotel lobby. And they got the big pyrotechnics and the big amps or whatever. And it's a flop. So it was kind of weird for me doing that because we're like killing it up there or whatever. And the crowd is just like, this is awful, you know? And then like the, it starts raining on us and there's like fog machine. And we had to do that. We had to do that scene for like three or four hours. So by the end of it, I thought I was going to die. But it was great. And it, it ended up looking really cool. And I honestly got more screen time in the movie than I thought. Nice. Nice, man. I mean, being part of Kiss, that's... I, I mean, you know, I mean, it's not everybody's band. Some people love Kiss. Some people not so big, but they're a huge part of rock and roll. However, you spin it. And before, not like I didn't like Kiss. Just like you know, I'm like I'm a musician, so I'm gonna f- listen to rock and roll all night. You know, like. But um, the the cool thing about doing the movie is it gave me a new appreciation for just how hard it was to put on that show every night. I was up there for one day in platforms like this and like I didn't even have to load the gear on stage and my back was broken. Um, I, uh, we filmed for three days, but I was in the, the platforms for like one day. I can only imagine doing that for three months on tour every day for like 40 years, especially as an old guy, yeah. you know? So that alone gave me a huge amount of respect for them because I was like, that's just like, I would never do that much work, you know? Like I I have a, I switched to a digital amp as a lighter, you know, like I'm uh, you know, anyway, but yeah, that, that's what gave me new appreciation for them. Also, got a lot of great songs. Yeah, oh yeah, oh man. I mean, there's always that's the thing. That's when you know when I hear people get super negative on any band, I'm like, there's always something to appreciate from a band. Like you can always find something. And Kiss, yeah, they brought it. As far as the energy, always the energy was max in all of those performances. Um, well, now, as far as King Falcon, you guys have new song coming out, Ready, Set, Go. Uh, I've heard snippets of the song. Sounds super fun, high energy, just great song. Uh, tell me a little bit about it and, and then, uh, you know, it going sure. into the, the full album there. Sure. So, so if When the Party is Over is like the dark and gritty side of New York, um, Ready, Set, Go is like the the exciting and energetic side of New York. Like when you get there for the first time and you kind of like come out of the subway and you just sort of feel that like, you know, excitement and like, wow, you know, like I, I'm sure, you know, 
anytime uh, you've been to New York City, yes, mm-hmm. right? City in the world doesn't just have as many people walking around in the street. You know, like in New York City, ten o'clock at night. I mean, there's like it, it's not like lights everywhere like Vegas because Vegas is like here, it all looks like strip clubs and there's nobody walking around on the street. New York is like ten o'clock at night great pizza place with a line out the door you know there's like something going on at night you know like there's just people out in the streets there's like some dude who looks like he could either be homeless or a billionaire smoking a, a cigarette on the corner and he could be like some famous artist that you that you you know but you don't know what he looks like like new york is just like that and a lot of people think a lot of people think new york's pretentious but like that's just that's just because they're not here you know what i mean any i think anybody who thinks new york is pretentious just can't can't be here and that's it um but anyway Little, little little aside there because I'm a, a big fan of New York, but that's kind of the vibe with Ready Set Go. Is it's the excitement and it's the the energy of of New York City versus when the party's over. Which um, not to go back and talk about that song, but that song originally uh, when I wrote it, um, the inspiration was the heroin epidemic, um, and it was about like a whole bunch. Like I had a student that overdosed on heroin, and 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 uh, well, he's my uh, I, I I teach in school of rock, and he was one of my students, and he. Well, I don't want to get too deep into it, but he he overdosed, and I it was crazy because I saw him play a show on a Saturday and like went to the funeral on like a Tuesday. You know, it was it was really so that affected me, and obviously James was around for that, so kind of him as well. And I think that was maybe before, uh, obviously before Tom was in the band, before Tom was kind of around. So I don't know that he met that student, but. I kind of drew from that. I wrote originally a really, really dark song. Like the original lyrics of When the Party is Over are way darker because the party being over is like, you know, your life being over. I uh, showed it to our producer and I showed it to a couple of people and they're like, that's great. Just like reel it back a little bit because it's kind of dark. So um, it, it ended up morphing into being about New York City during COVID kind of being dead. We're like, the party that we've all been having as New Yorkers is kind of over and that's a little bit, a little bit softer of a message, but for me, it's kind of still about that original message. Um, and then race that go is the total opposite of that. So you kind of have like a full picture of New York and I'm just, I'm just a New York guy, dude. I just love it here. So is that the, is that the whole album is, I mean, is the album a bit of an homage to New York? No, I, I think that song was, was about it. And what's funny is we actually wrote that song in Nashville. Um, but I guess you have to leave leave home to write a to song about home. That's what but no uh, there's a lot of different themes on the album like um i think a big one is just um feeling like a standout you know when you feel like you should kind of fit into the mold i think that's something that all three of us in the band have felt certainly me you know like um i grew up and i, I went to catholic school always had long hair you know so like i always got in trouble for that and i was like you know, the kid in class who would like question things and, you know, get sent to the principal's office. And like, um, I don't know, like I always listen to different music than everybody else. Like I was listening to weird Steely Dan and like Frank Zappa and, you know, Zeppelin and all my other friends were listening to like, I don't know, like Sean Paul or whatever I listened to in 2005. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's a big thing as well. Um, you know, we've got we've got some some romancy songs as well, but I think there it's not like a love song. Like like there there's one song that we have um, called "On Your Soul," which is one of my favorites. And um, without giving too much of uh, anybody in the band's personal details, um, somebody in the band had a relationship, and the other individual in that relationship decided that they wanted to be polyamorous. And you could imagine, listen, not that, hey, not that there's anything wrong when you have two consenting adults agreeing to it, like no moral judgment or shame. But when you have one person that does, 
and you have the other person that doesn't, that's a problem. Yeah. So one of the songs is about, and just like, uh, I don't know, there's some deep that on there, you know? Um, I don't know. I can go through all 11 songs and give you something different, but uh, a lot of topics. But New York is not an overarching theme, but I think we have a New York sound, which I think is cool. When when uh, is it supposed to be out? Can you give us a, a whereabouts? So, the label, but they have told me end of September, beginning of October. So if it's not around then, yell at them, not me. <laughs> well, well, Mike, before we go, I, I want to bring up one thing, and you brought it up. Um, it seems to be becoming quite an obsession for you, and that would be your guitar collection. Uh, oh, man. Bring that up at the end of the interview. We'll add another like hour to this whole thing. I mean, um, you've got yeah. Telecasters, Jaguars, Jazzmasters, Stratocasters, Les Pauls, Firebirds. Like, uh, I mean, how how long I, has this been going? This wall, I've been collecting my whole life. I, like, as soon as I started playing guitar, like, the first thing I did was buy another one. Um, it was, it just, like, it happened right away. And I, I will say, all these back here are original 50s and 60s. Uh, I have all the reissue stuff downstairs, that kind of tours. But these are all, these are all legit. Uh, I have another one that's actually should be here in about 15, 20 minutes. I found uh, a 1963 Sonic Blue Jazzmaster. Uh, really great story. So the original owner um, was in a country band. And uh, the guitar has a little bit of work to it. Kind of needs, needs a little bit of love. He, he put his name on it and he like kind of spray painted the pick guard or whatever. But the paint's original. Um, he, he died and the guitar ended up in a storage unit and then like somebody bought the storage unit and found this guitar in it and that's how I got it so like it, it's like a guitar out of a storage unit but there's like only 10 or 12 of them that exist so like that's kind of how I found all these like uh, there's a couple up here uh, there was a pretty famous um, guitar theft that happened like in the middle of COVID uh, there's a guy named Robbie Z who had like 200 guitars stolen I bought one of them and I didn't know it was stolen. So I reached out to Robbie Z and was like, Hey man, like I have one of your guitars. We ended up becoming really, really great friends. Uh, I, I, he let me keep the guitar and then I bought two more from him. So like, I, you know, he's just a really cool guy. Uh, but my best guitar story, um, is not, it's not one that I have here. It's, it's one that's, that's downstairs right now. So on the very first gig that I ever played with James, we must've been, 10 years old, 11 years old. He's a little bit older than me, like right around that time. Um, very first show we ever played together, my, my grandpa helped us get. He didn't he didn't come to the show because he was somewhere else, but he, he helped us get the show. It was like in a church parking lot for like the Italian society, whatever. Just like the kind of gig that you get when you're 11 and don't, you, you shouldn't play Black Sabbath that, but like we did. Um, you can imagine. Anyway. People loved it. They had a great time just because we're cute little kids and, and whatever. But but somebody came up to me after the show, an older guy. He must have been in his 80s. And he was like, hey, um, you guys are really great. He was an Italian guy. So he had, he had a, a thick Italian accent, which I'm not. He was like, hey, you know. But I'm, I'm not going to do it. Um, I was like, hey, I've got this old Fender Stratocaster that I think you would really dig um, if you want to check it out. I was like, sure. So next day, my mom drives me to his house or whatever. We, we go inside. He, he goes in his closet. He pulls out this old case and he opens it up. It's the most beautiful 1957 Stratocaster I've ever seen. It's been refinished, but it has like the most gorgeous um, figuring on the neck. And it's really, really light. And it's just like just like a perfect guitar, you know? Um, and I couldn't afford it at the time because, again, I was like 10 years old. And it was like the price that these things are. It was pretty expensive. So I went home and kind of like never really forgot about the guitar. Um, 10, 
years went by, might have been eight years, like eight to ten years, just about. And I'm chatting with a buddy, and he's telling me about a guitar that he found locally, like a really cool Candy Apple Red Jaguar. And I was like, you know, man, the only guitar I ever really found locally was that Strat that I never bought. I wonder if the guy's still around. I totally forgotten about it. So I called the guy up. He's got to be in his 90s at this point. He's got to be 95, 96 years old. I'm like, maybe he's still alive. Whatever. Maybe he's in Florida. Like, I have no idea. Guy answers the phone in like one ring. Rings once and phone. He's like, hello. I'm like, hey, Filippo, this is uh, this is Mike. I don't know if you remember me. We met about 10 years ago. Uh, I got the big hair, and you asked me if I want to buy your guitar. We met in like a parking lot. He's like, oh yeah, I remember you, of course. Um, I was like, do you still have it? He's like, I do still have it. I was like, no way, man, that's amazing. Uh, I asked him where he was. He, he ended up moving like down the street from my house. Like I walked there, right? I was like, this is crazy. So I walked there, right? I go inside, and I'm chatting with the guy for um, like two hours about this guitar, man. He takes it out. He's telling me all about it, this, that, and the other thing. And eventually we, we get to talking about a price and he's like, well, it's going to be a little bit less than it was 10 years ago because nobody else wanted to buy it. And I just like you. You seem like a nice guy. So he gave me a number. I went to the bank, emptied out my whole freaking savings and cash. And I like run back and I gave it to him. We sat there for a little while. Um, and I left. And then two weeks go by and I see my grandfather and he, he comes over and he sees the guitar and he's like, did you see Filippo? How do you know Filippo? I was like, I met Filippo at that gig that you booked us 10 years ago. He's like, this guitar, uh, I used to be, he's like, I used to be in a band with Filippo. He's like, this guitar was on our, our records that we made together. So I have a record of my grandfather in the late sixties playing with this guy with this guitar on it. And it's like, I didn't even know it kind of just happened randomly. Uh, and story has a little bit of a sad end um, on the morning of the very first King Falcon show ever when we did reschedule that April 1st gig that morning is when I found out that Filippo died mm. so and the crazy thing it was only about a month after I bought the guitar so I saw the guitar for the first time almost 10 years went by he still remembered me I bought the guitar from him found out that that was the guitar that played with my grandpa in the 60s and then he died so that was kind of that story but that one I will never sell. I've gotten a whole bunch of offers for it, and I know a whole bunch of guys that want it. But it'll they're they're gonna bury me with that one. Filippo got a chance to sell you the guitar. It was meant to be, man. It was meant to be. Yeah. And I feel I feel a great responsibility in in owning it. And every time I play that guitar, I, I think about you know someday I'm gonna croak, man. And these guitars are gonna be floating out there, and hopefully there's some kids who takes them and takes good care of them and, and make sure they don't sit and rot because nothing I hate more. It's nothing I hate more than guitar hoarding. Like I know I am a guitar hoarder. Yes. But, 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 but I tend to only have like one of each type of guitar. Uh, like I've got, I've got two strats here, but they're very different. One is a maple board fifties. One is a rose board sixties. And, and they're, they're completely different from each other. So I know guys who have like 15 sunburst strats, you know, or like, 20 less pawns you know like i really think it's important to kind of diversify because if you're just hoarding all this stuff and you're not like i i, I inevitably you're gonna have one favorite you know um if you don't play the other 19 give them to somebody who will man i mean sell them you know not like don't give them away for free but don't hoard them so that other people can't make music with them that's kind of how i feel and, and all of these guitars get put to work like every single day i mean I'm, i never leave the house without two or three guitars with me and the cool thing is that these guitars are normally the kind of guitars that would be in a museum or behind glass or something 
I have a lot of students, man. Like, be the only 15-year-olds that you've ever met that have played, like, a 57 Strat and, like, a 55 Gold Top, you know? And it gets them excited about it. And, and then they're motivated to, like, try out different guitars and find which one's right for them. And, like, I don't know. It's just cool as opposed to keeping all this stuff so hidden and secret. Whatever. If they get scratched up, they're already scratched up. That's the whole point. Share the love. Share the love. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Listeners, you can check out all things King Falcon at kingfalconband.com. You can stream all of their music on streaming services right now. Let's take a listen to Cadillac right here on the Doc G Show. Here on the Doc G Show, you just heard King Falcon once again. That is their song, 
Cadillac right here on the Doc G Show. Make sure you keep your ears tuned for the new jams coming out next week from King Falcon. Going to be a good time. Going to be a good time. Mike, uh, I think we've talked a little bit about it, but do you have any fascination with old cars? Hmm. Are you an old car guy? We talked about top three cars. I remember that. That was the Doc G top three. Are you yeah. a fan of old cars? The only cars I really like, old style cars, are really like those old school old school Lambos or like the uh, the DeLoreans. Those are nice. But mm. I don't really, I don't so really like, get the... So like new age retro. Like you're new in New age, like, right, yeah, like 80s. Yeah, like early, yeah. late late 70s, early 80s, like that, <laughs> where they started getting rad lines and big engines. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. All right. That's it, though. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes, I sometimes I fantasize about being like that old dude in a garage, not giving a about the world and just working on a car constantly, you know. <laughs> yeah. But then I get For in sure. there and I'm like, yeah, I don't really care too much about this, you know. Yeah. Like, like it's a nice, it's a nice fantasy role in my head. But then actually doing it, I'm like, I don't really care if I finish this car or not, you know. Yeah. Like, no, I, I just don't really cars. have an interest in, in, like, you know, fixing up the car. Plus, I'm not really big on the pollution most old cars have. But, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, like, I can respect everybody else's, like, the folks that love to do it, though, you know? Like, yeah. And every now and then I'll see an old car, and I'm like, that is a sweet old car, you know? Yeah, I see them, and I think, man, those things are probably really dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like there's a lot of safety like a, violations. Yeah. I mean, it's ba it's <laughs> it's basically the car version of Lifeguard the movie. It should have been canceled. <laughs> like you know, you're like, ooh, that yeah, that's missing a lot of safety features we learned about. That car yeah. may may perform statutory rape later on. We don't <laughs> what we don't we condemn that. But uh, you know, regardless, Mike. Like I said, I like I like. I like the idea of classic cars. I can respect sometimes just the look of them that I'm just like, oh, that is that is some beautiful artwork right there, you know? For sure. Like For like sure. like a Stingray on on mm -hmm. Lifeguard. Ooh, that's a nice one. That it's is a, a yeah, nice it's a good car. Looking car. That's a yeah. good looking car. But anyway, shout out to Mike. Uh, his love of classic cars, his tunes, his love of guitars. If you get a chance, check out all things King Falcon. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Also, extremely cool that he was in the movie Spinning Gold, Mike. That's just dope. That's hmm. dope. Spinning Gold about uh, Casablanca Records. Very cool. In the 70s. Had Kiss on the on the label, Mike. Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that who was he... That's who Kiss's he, label? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's Sorry. who he played in the, in the movie was Ace Freely, their guitarist. Mm. He had a very, very small role, but... Very cool. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I'd be jacked. Who would you want to play? If you could play anybody from like the 70s or 80s, who would it be? Burt Reynolds, bro. Yeah. Chest hair. Yeah, you have to put the chest hair on. I was about me. to say, you're not hairy enough, man. <laughs> they would have to add that. You, you know? are not anywhere close to hairy enough for Burt Reynolds. No way. But, you need to get yeah. way hairier. Yeah. Man, if I could, if I could, if I could play some Sam Elliott, phew. Mm. Wait, it's not it's not Burt Reynolds. Who was uh, Magnum PI? Oh, that that's Burt Tom Reynolds? Selleck. 
Tom Selleck. Uh, Tom Selleck. Yeah, that would be a cool guy. That was also a, a cool old car as well. Tom, oh, yeah, Ferrari right there. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Um, yeah, Tom Selleck, uh, Burt Reynolds. People get confused a lot. Both hairy dudes from the 70s with mustaches. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, it does <laughs> get mustache. confused. But, Mike, we are running out of time. We need to move on to the fastest growing segment in the world. Doc G top three, or Mike C top three. Woo! There it is. I was concerned, Mike. You were about to give it the old name. We all know it's the new name. It's titled after you. It is the Mike C top three, and you chose for our topic this week the top three villains. Hmm. Movie villains. Now, Mike, I had some tough deliberations amongst myself on this one because I was like, how do I want to judge a villain? You know? I was like, do I want to judge a villain by how much I want them to lose in the movie? Like, by how much I hate them? Because that's what makes a villain, you know, right? If it's Mm -hmm. a really hated character, right? Or do I want to judge a villain by how much they scare me? Because that makes them a villain too, you know? Hmm. Or do I want to judge them by how much they they make me want to go to the dark side to be villainous myself? Because that's the ultimate evil, right? Turning yeah. others evil, right? Mm. So, so I had I had a little bit of debate, and really, I I sort of chose all three. My okay. my list has all three. Uh, do you have any uh, honorable mentions? <clears throat> hmm. Do I have any honorable mentions? Um, okay, I do have two. Hopefully, neither of these guys are your number one. Okay, we'll see. Because they're pretty big. Okay. Uh, Darth Vader. Darth Vader is a honorable mention of mine as well. Yes. Cool. Uh, and then uh, also new Joker, Heath Ledger Joker. Mm. Yep. Not that on guy was my, incredible. N- it was. Okay. He was very incredible. I'll give it to him. Yeah. I love that. I love that uh, character. He, you know, he was very, he, uh, in my three judging there, he did both the scaring and and the uh, and, and a little bit turning you to the dark side because you're just like yeah look at, right you're like just look at that he's just he's bananas I sort mm-hmm. of want to go bananas every now and then you know but he was also very scary so uh, uh, good job yeah. Darth Vader I'm not really a Star Wars guy but you know yeah me neither me neither he, he's super recognizable he's got bad music you got to give it to him. You know, he's got yeah. there's there's a lot of things. He's got a cool cape. He's got cool breathing. He can destroy planets. Yeah, he like can. This just, is he destroyed planets. He can choke you without being near you. That's all pretty yeah. cool. So you know, <laughs> um, my number three, Mike. This is probably a pretty weird one, but I'm going Rocky three, Clubber Lang played by Mr. T. Word. Mm. That's my number three. Nice. Now, that one's mainly on how much you want him to lose, right? I want it, You want to see Rocky win. You're like, look at this turd. This guy's being just a a, a giant jack here. He needs to, he needs to be put in his place. Rocky needs to put him in his place, and he did. He did. Rocky got yeah. the eye of the tiger. He got it back, and he put him in his place. You know, but Mister <laughs> Mister T played a great villain. He played a great villain in that movie. It's, it's, wow. it's, it was much better. I mean, I thought about putting at first. I was like, should I put uh, uh, Drago from Rocky Four, the Russian villain? Yeah, and that I was, guy was pretty scary. 
He was pretty scary, but he wasn't as just <clears throat> as just a, a, a overall character as yeah. as as uh, Mr. T was. Mr. T was ridiculous, and I like that ridiculousness. Yeah. yeah, me too. Mike, your number three. My number three, Super Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two. <laughs> should have been should have been my real fear. <laughs> should have been on my honorable mention, but Shredder was always a very good one. Shredder, yeah. like in the first one too, you know how he was trying to turn all the Foot Clan. I love mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah. he, like, and just I mean, you know, him taking off the mask at the end and having the See cut the scar, from yeah, yeah. it's good stuff. Shredder yeah. is definitely a good villain. I definitely I support that. Support that wholeheartedly. My number yeah. two. Uh, this one's probably going to be a little weird for some people as well. Sauron. Uh, from the from uh, Lord of the Rings, the Dark Lord of Mordor, the okay, eye. So that was the big eye. Yeah, yeah. right. Because that eye. that's on the how much uh, we judge him by. Uh, it's scaring us. That's out of me. That mm-hmm. that eye is scary, man. It haunts yeah. your dreams. It's everywhere. It's looking at you. It's pointing you out. It's in the middle of which is basically Mordor. Like it just yeah. Mm-mm. That was a good villain. I didn't even consider that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. like it. Don't like villain. it. Good villain. Creepy. What's your number two, Mike? Uh, my number two, uh, the T-1000, Terminator 2. That guy Th- was scary. I thought about it. I thought about putting him on there. That is definitely, he's he's he's, he's frightening. I mean, he's, not, yeah, he's, he he's unstoppable. You can shoot him with a shotgun. He just blows giant holes into him. He's got amazing regenerating power. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that might have that might have well been a horror movie for me. Terminator Two to me was like I'm, at that age, I was basically a horror movie. Like that guy couldn't have been any scarier. My parents wouldn't let me see it when it was out in really? theaters. They took yeah. my brother because he was old enough. I wasn't. Okay. Sucks. Yeah. Uh, Sucks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. My number one. I think this may be your number one too. We'll see. <laughs> I, okay. Jack Nicholson Joker. Ah, no, not it. Not number one. No, but I thought we were going to be sort of close, but no, it's that's not my number one. Oh, that's That's my number one. That is my number one, Mike. And I put it there because when we say when we judge a villain by making you want to go to the dark side, that Joker made me want to do it like he Mm. had fun. He was crazy. He went into a museum and spray painted it to Prince. Prince, he had a boombox, and he was just like, "Woo!" and he's just going around <laughs> spray-painting stuff, wearing purple, shooting people with acid flowers. Oh, my God. He had the coolest lines, too. Tell me, friend, you ever de- dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Oh, my gosh. Just so cool, Mike. Yeah, so great movie. Cool. I need to go back and watch Batman 1. Like, I, I started to watch it, but then, you know, typical me, I have like 15 minutes. It's too hard. Out. It's too hard. Uh, but Batman 1, incredible movie. And Jack Nicholson, Jack Joker, Nicholson, to yeah. me, like I said, and that's why honorable mention Heath Ledger, yes, it was an amazing Joker, but to me, the real Joker, Jack Nicholson. It's mm, not taking okay. over it. It's not taking right. over that Joker. Mike, you're number one. Uh, my number one uh, was going to be is uh, Annie Wilkes from Misery. <laughs> that's, that's she's very frightening. That is, fear. yeah, that's, that's true. That's terrifying. That, that yeah. is that is very true. I don't know if you could be 
more scary than that. I mean, in real life, when you think of just being, oh, God, being trapped in that situation, oh, my Lord. Yeah, no, that would be terrible. You. No, thank you. No, thank you. That's a good That's a good number one, Mike. I like it. Yeah. I like it. It's like, and again, it's, it's that fear. when you're, you're going, I was about to say, you're going fear. You're going scare. Uh, yeah, that would be terrifying. I mean, yeah. you're being held captive against your will. You know. now, I don't know which one I'd be more scared about, that or just being trapped in front of uh, uh, Sauron, the, the Dark Lord of Mordor. I don't know. Mm. Okay. Because Mordor, you know, he can he can send out all those crazy little uh, ghouls and goblins at you, you know? At least it's over quickly. Yeah, you know? it's that's, over true. Quick. that's true. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Uh, that, that lady's crazy. She yeah, will she keep is. you going for a long time. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. <sighs> no, thank you. Pass. No way. Pass. Mike, do you have our topic for next week? Uh, Dr. G, have we done top three desserts? I don't think we have. Hmm. Mm. Just going simple. Just going plain. I like it. I like it. Yeah, top, top three. three desserts. Top three desserts. Mm. Yeah. Mm, I haven't had a good dessert in a while. You know what I've had for a dessert for a long time? Protein bar. That sounds sad, mm. right? <laughs> but that's what I've had for dessert. No, they're pretty good. Some of them are really good. Cookies and cream. Ah, crunch. The delicious. crunch bar, Mike. Let me tell the you. crunch bar? Let me mm. tell you. In a break, I'll, I'll go grab one, show you. Oh, my gosh. Power crunch. That's the actual name of it. Power crunch. Mint chocolate. It will blow your effing mind. Nice. That's not okay. going to be my number one dessert, though. I, I promise. Okay. Uh, regardless. <laughs> Top desserts, listeners, make sure you get your list like we get our list uh, or either uh, the Joker or Annie Wilkes will hunt you down. One of the two. Um, All right, Mike, but now we got to head to our last birthday suit. So you are a half out of two right now for this week. So you are 32 out of 59 right now. Okay. I think you can get this one. I know right. you know two of these movies really well, and I know you know this actor. I just wonder if you can get his name. I don't know. Okay. We'll see. All right, here we go. Let's see. Born on May 24th, 1965 in Chicago, Illinois, home of the J-Chips. Yes. As a kid, our birthday suit wearer was into shenanigans. Say what? He once mentioned in an interview when how when he was 12, he and his friends stole 500 boxes of of sugar corn pops from a freight train. What? Mm. I have so many questions about that story, Mike. I did not have time to research that story, but I was just like, what? Where did you do with them? (laughs) Yeah. How did you carry them? How many friends did you have? What, did you just have pallets of corn pops? You're like, all right, let's go ahead and still. Did you open a grocery store after that? Like, (laughs) crazy. Anyways. He ended up going to DePaul University where he studied theater. After graduating, he started acting in film. One of his first roles was in Days of Thunder as part of the pit crew. He had several more small roles throughout the 90s. One of his breakthrough roles was in the uh, movie Boogie Nights. In the early 2000s, he started to transition to more comedic roles. In 2006, he starred as Cal Naughton Jr., is part of the Shake and Bake and Ricky Bobby's best friend in Talladega Nights. He then appeared in the movie Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox, 
a parody of Walk the Line. Then in 2008, he played in Step Brothers with Will Ferrell. He then played the voice of the lead character in the animated movie Wreck-It Ralph. Name that birthday suit wearer. Ah, this is so annoying. Ah, what is this guy's name? I was like... I was afraid you wouldn't remember his name, Mike. I was afraid it might happen. He's been off the radar for a while, you know? It's like... uh, Yeah. Obviously a memorable guy. Just like, what is his name? Yeah, I don't know. Now, I'll give you... He he goes... He usually uses his middle initial in his name. Hmm. His initials are J-C-R. James C. Riley. No? Very close. James C. No, 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 no. You're changing no. the wrong thing. Uh, what is that? J. What is it? What's his middle initial? Why J. J. C. Riley. What's what do we, what do we? J. C. Riley. Um. Well, I don't. I, Doc G. I don't want to waste any time. I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. I don't know why the Jeremy. <laughs> John, C. John C. Riley. <laughs> so close, Mike. I'm gonna give you a quarter. You did get Riley. You got Riley, so I'll give you a quarter. You, you in, so random. You ended today with a 32 and a quarter <laughs> out of 60. 32 and a quarter out of 60. Mike, we are getting it. we are getting dangerously close to that 50%. Yeah, we are getting good. dangerously close to that 50%. <laughs> so true. Mike. We've got some great shows coming up. I cannot wait. Next week, one of my favorite groups to have on the show is coming on the show. Flip Turn. Flip Flip Turn Turn is on the show, Mike. Mike, let me tell you something. Uh, The first time I reached out to them, I want to say they were at about 500,000. Well, let me backtrack. The first time I found them on... Spotify, they were at about 100,000 monthly listeners. Then the first time I came back around, I was like, I should invite them on the show. They're a a local band. That'd be awesome. They were at about 500,000. They are now at 1.3 million monthly listeners, Mike. Dang, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Killing it. They just look like they're having so much fun, man. Yes! I was just telling their manager just the other day, like... They do a fantastic, and they're not trying to do it because they're actually just having fun, but they do a fantastic job of being that band that you're just like, oh, I want to be a part of that. I want to jump in there. Let's do this, right? What's the easiest instrument we could just jump in there and start playing? I say tambourine, uh, Mike. I'm going to invite myself on the tambourine (laughs) next week. I'm saying, I'm telling them, if I can play the tambourine, please let me. And I I guarantee you, as soon as they got off the Zoom mic, they were like, no. That guy's never playing tambourine, right? He's never playing tambourine. No, no. Old old homeless guy is not playing tambourine. We're all in on that, right? Yeah, okay. But regardless, Mike, they're all coming on the show. I can't wait. Devin, Mitch, Dylan, Mad Cat, and the one, the only, Tristan. Tristan just got a tattoo uh, for Zelda on his arm, Mike. Shout out mm. to all the Zelda fans out there. Yeah, new game coming out. Uh, or it just came out. Or new yeah, just came out. out just yeah, came out. Just came out. Yeah. Uh, I'm too. I'm too old. Too far gone to try to get into that world, Mike. Yeah. That is. That's Same. T- talk about a homework assignment. That is way too much work to try to yeah. like. Oh my God, that's just so much. It I mean, would it be. seems. Now we get. Yeah. 
It seems fun, but it's just way too much. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Regardless, Flip Turn coming on the show. I'm super excited. We've also got Dwayne Betts coming on the show the week after that. I can't wait. The son of Dickie Betts, the legendary guitarist. He's a hometown hero as well from Jacksonville. Can't wait to talk to them both, Mike. But until then, we've got to wrap it up. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Furnicus. Charette. Always a pleasure, Doc G. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah.